I'm delighted to host this kind of mini-sode preview of our talk and session at DesignConf in a couple of weeks. We will be talking about the state of design. And I've got three amazing guests to have that conversation with me. It's going to be way better than anything you've participated in or seen on Twitter. And to kick things off, I would love for my guests to introduce themselves and tell us a little bit about them. So I will start with Felix. Hey, everyone. My name is Felix, and I'm the co-founder at ADP List. And we're on a mission to democratize mentorship for all and really opening up access to knowledge from around the world for people of all levels and backgrounds. A little bit about myself, I'm a designer and I used to study engineering when I was in high school and I'm usually based in Singapore. Thank you, Felix. I'm excited to dig in a little bit more about how ADP List came to be. Um, moving on, Sadia. Hi, everybody. My name is Sadia and I lead UX for Shopify's ecosystem team, which is made up of designers, content designers, and researchers who work on uh, marketplaces like the Shopify App Store. I'm based in New York, and my background is actually in journalism and content design. Amazing. Thank you for being here, Sadia. And finally, Paul. Hi, I'm Paul Jervis-Heath. I am Chief Creative Officer and a founding partner of Modern Human, which is a design practice and innovation consultancy. Uh, I've been a designer for over 25 years now. And in that time, I've designed everything from physical products like dashboards for driverless cars and connected home appliances to physical spaces like libraries and museums and even a call center. Um, products and services in every conceivable industry and sector, as well as some really high-tech stuff like geospatial systems to protect endangered species and software platforms that power the Internet of Things. Amazing. Been there, done that, seen it all. Love it. <laughs> so we are going to be covering three different topics in our panel, but today we wanted to maybe just dig into one of those topics to give our audience a bit of a preview of the conversational theme. So I want to pick up on the hottest take in the state of design today, which is how do we build a junior bench? How does somebody who is new to this particular domain get into design today. And I want to kick it off, Felix, maybe by asking about how you, the problems you're solving with ADP list and that junior bench and why it is that you recognize there was a gap that needed to be filled. Thanks for the question, Lola. So one of the things we talk about at ADP list is really bridging the gap between, you know, what you're seeing and what you're studying from different form of contents like medium, books, videos, or even the things that you learn at schools or online courses, really bridging those things into what we call, you know, uh, workforce ready, you know, make, making sure that you go into the workforce feeling prepared, feeling that, you know, you're there to grow, you're there to be ready to find opportunities, but at the same time, you know, having an expectation of knowing what's going to happen and what's going to go on in your career, uh, stepping into that. And one of the ways that we're doing it, and in fact, the, the biggest way that we're doing it is through mentorship, right? Because mentorship is really about connecting the people who are already practicing design, who are already practicing the craft, and really having that conversation with someone who has not been there and done that. So think of this almost like time travel, where you speak to someone who, who you might want to aspire to be or who is already in the position uh, where, where, where you're going to be in the next few months or the next few weeks. And so mentorship allows to bridge that gap. And so one of the things that we've been seeing on ADP itself is, you know, we today we do on average 15,000 bookings of sessions every single month. 
And out of this 15,000, you know, we see a trend of more than 70% where, you know, people from tier two and tier three cities actually calling and having sessions with people in a more developed part of the countries or part of the world. And what this does is that, you know, uh, we feel like by having this bridge of mentorship and especially on a global scale, we're able to see that knowledge are being passed on almost on a, a transactional level uh, from from a place that is already more ahead uh, to a city that might be uh, lagging behind and really, you know, leveling that playing field from wherever you are and, and really just keeping the point that it doesn't matter what background you're, you're, you're from, you get to be on the same level and have a seat in that conversation that can help you grow as a designer and as a person. And that's why I think the work that we're doing is an ex- incredibly important together with the community uh, to really help elevate that standards of design throughout the world. So Felix, like I'm sold, sign me up, uh, take my money, like do all the things, right? The, emotionally, I think that is hugely compelling to any, anybody, like all of, the, all of us in the field would be like, yes, 100%. And at the same time, we have these strong opinions about boot camps and d-school and like whether or not the people coming in can do the job and you talk about workforce ready what does that even mean for us and when you know we're in high pressure environments where delivery 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 is a thing maybe sadia going to you like how do you think about that when you think about like a junior bench like the practicality of the team and the environment you're in how are you framing that challenge Absolutely. And like, I agree. Everything you said about ADP list is sounds amazing, but it's, yeah, there's an absolute tension. Depending on what program you went to or what books you read, you may have a very idealized version of how design should be practiced that might be very disappointing to you, depending on like the reality of that at the company that you chose to work for. And, and so there is a tension because I can absolutely tell you that, of course, I want to support the next generation of design talent. And at the same time, The business demands things to be done a certain way in a certain amount of time. And so it's sometimes tricky to make those trade-offs. Like I have a team right now where we have to do a bunch of, you know, up-leveling of skill and redesigning. And am I going to bet on somebody who hasn't done this before in a high-pressure environment? Or am I going to go with someone more seasoned? So I absolutely agree in the importance of it. It really resonates with me, this idea of workforce readiness. I think there's been a whole conversation about you know, designers learning the business. And I I suspect that's a bit of a euphemism of like, for like actually learning how to work in environments like this and being comfortable making trade-offs and being comfortable when things are not done in sort of the most ideal sense of design. So that brings in another tension though, right? Which is one I think, Paul, I want to bring you on, which is then workforce ready quality, like shipping for the business now versus the apprenticeship and learning how to do the thing and having time to make mistakes and, you know, grow and that not necessarily even being anything that you're taught, but you learn on the job in a more practical way, right? So what's your take on it? There's a couple of things here. I think as an industry, we've always been critical of um, the standard of people coming out of design education, Mm -hmm. you know, Um, and I think we're really hard on design educators Because actually, the juniors that I've hired recently and that I work with are really knowledgeable about things like circular design, you know, um, the recyclability and reusability of materials, the environmental impact of materials, how to source things that are environmentally and socially sustainable, how to do things like co-design with underrepresented communities, you know, and so they're not 
workforce ready for the, for our workforce right now. They're workforce ready for the next iteration of the design industry. And I think if we're not careful, you know, if we only do what we've, what, if we always do what we've always done, we'll always get what we've always got. Yeah. And so I think it's really important, actually. I think design education is doing a, a great job from what I can see at teaching people to think about what's next, not just about what's now. I would also say that we've probably all witnessed the the, the kind of inflation of, of of design salaries, and you know everybody likes earning more money. And it's, it's don't a good touch story. my money, Paul. Don't touch my money. <laughs> I'm there. <laughs> but but I, re- I I remember starting as a junior designer, and you know you were you were on bad money, but it meant that you could make mistakes. I don't think I was, for the first two or three years in my career, I don't think I was genuinely expected to ship anything. If I didn't completely screw up, then I was doing all right. But that gave me room to try new things. It gave me room to fail. It gave me room to learn on the job. And so was I workforce ready at the time? No, I think the people who are coming out of, you know, these programs at the moment are a lot more workforce ready than I ever was. But in the same way, I don't think we're giving our junior staff the room to learn and try things and fail and probably take us to a point where that is more interesting than we would have arrived at if we hadn't just told them what to do and that they hadn't arrived kind of workforce ready. So I think there's a real tension between kind of being workforce ready and being, and being given the room. To, to learn on the job. And I think we've got a bit of a responsibility to our junior members of staff to actually give them room to, to learn and, uh, and, and make mistakes. And I don't think that's, I don't think that's, by the way, um, in any way contradictory to having a mentor and having people who are going to teach you. You know, the reason I got through those first kind of two or three years was I had some great people who took me under their wing, looked after yeah. me, showed me how things worked told me what I ought to be focusing on, told me what to listen to when I got feedback from a client or somebody more senior and all of those things. So I think mentorship is really important. I just worry about people expecting to be workforce ready before going into the workforce. And, you know, as employers, employers expecting juniors to be workforce ready and probably doing themselves out of um, somebody who's coming without the, the baggage of, you know, how things are already done and fresh pair of eyes and all of those kind of things. So I think I want to connect this back to another tension that I'm hearing in this conversation, which is like, and you know, these things are always about the tensions and where they exist. Are there solutions? There are probably many. We'll come to that. So Felix, you talked about ADP list being able to bridge access to mentors and guides between people in communities that are in developing areas or developing countries and so-called developed nations. And I think to your point, Paul, there's an interesting tension there, which is, are we normalizing what design means everywhere to the most employable people's version of design today? You know, is design in Southeast Asia or like parts of Africa, is it only good when it is learned from somebody who is working in Silicon Valley and then teaching them how to design? And then two, the other tension is workforce ready is also a euphemism for, I need an income and I need a job. And I don't have the privilege of being underpaid or badly paid in order to learn. I've got to accelerate that on-ramp somewhere. So how do you think about that, Felix, given you know this idea of like the richness of people who we could bring in and all the ways, as Paul described, mm-hmm. all the ways that their knowledge and experience should enrich design 
versus the fact that they want to be employable and a job is available at very high salaries today. How do they get one of those jobs? <laughs> what is that? How do you do that? 100%. You know, one of the things that we talk about and, you know, what we are saying is that, you know, there seems to be a lot of companies that are hiring designers. And there also seems to be a huge load of supply of designers who are looking for job. But if you look at it, is that this tool has never seemed to meet in, meet in the middle. It always seems to be that I'm hiring a designer, but I can't find a good enough designer. And this actually drives back to the point that Paul was sharing is that companies are paying extremely high price for a designer. And you know, if you ask me, I think it is a problem because if a company is paying that high, there is an expectation for them to deliver. And that is what Sadia has mentioned. There is an expectation to deliver. And so when there is an expectation there, the companies would rather pay someone that has done that to deliver mm -hmm. than to hire someone who is just out of college or the bootcamp. And that's one of the biggest problems that we've been seeing because obviously companies are paying so much and they would rather hire someone with more experience. And so one of the things that we have been trying to do and actively promoting is really working with companies and schools simultaneously and bring all of them onto the table and say, hey, look, you know, this is a situation we have a bunch of students who obviously cannot have that level of expectation that you're, you're demanding as a company from that extent of, of the salary. Is there a middle ground where your employees, let's say we're partnering with Slack right now, can actually come to the platform and actually you know, share your experiences with, with the people who are new to the industry and actually help to bridge that gap even closer so that they can meet your expectation, whereas you can continue to pay them the salary because, you know, people need that salary. And obviously, it is a privilege to take a lower salary. And so we are trying to find that middle ground and say, all right, so this is your expectations. Sure. Um, but how can you be a part of the conversation that help to level the expectation and level that skills so that people can come into your company with the expectation that you want? So that's what we've been trying to do on that side as well, actively. And hopefully, it's going to work out well, uh, you know, within the next few months or, or years to come. And I think this is like, it's an old model, right? This is actually like what is old is new because Paul, you've talked about you did an apprenticeship and Sadia, we have at Shopify, we have a model, an example called the dev degree where we bring in people who are school leavers or career changers who want a development degree, an engineering degree, and they have a job first. And then we basically fund their qualification up to degree level. So these rails kind of exist. So is the path this, you know, um, employer, school, and organizational partnership that says you're learning, we're paying you, but we we put you in a mold where we call you somebody who's learning. So like not beyond internship, it goes back to maybe apprenticeship or, you know, dev degree or whatever. And you're actually being grown in a different way. So we, we change our expectation set because I guess the issue is we can't have fat middle organizations. Companies aren't sustainable unless they have junior benches. And so this might be the best way to kind of deal with that future growth. I don't know, Sadia, how would you think about that? If you, if you had the option to bring three apprentices into your team today, would that solve your problem and that fear of them shipping or would that give you, you know, what would you think about that? Yeah, I, I absolutely, you know, we're, we're kind of pretending that there's just a binary that like design school is good or bad. Workforce readiness is one way or the other. And I think what you've just proposed is sort of a, a happy partnership between the two, which is we need the critical thinking from design school and design education to power not today's workforce, but tomorrow's. Yes. And we also need people to be capable of the skills that you are required to have to make a business work, right? And so I think this idea of 
investing in folks before they even get to the job and really investing in that education, but then also their on-the-job training in a way that's frankly low risk. Paul, as you were speaking, I was thinking like every single one of us probably has a story of somebody who took a chance on us in an environment that was probably quite different from the hyper-growth tech startups that many of us work in today. And, And I think this is kind of the idea that would like get us close to that again. Like how do we get back to creating space while also getting results, you know, in, in a partnership model like that. And Paul, what do you think, you know, if back when you were a designer beginning and you did this apprenticeship, if that was something that was still commonly available, or more commonly available now, would that address the issues that you raised? I think so. I mean, the reason, the reason that I did what I did and, and started my career at, at 18 was because I probably couldn't have, couldn't have afforded to go to university otherwise, you know, I'm from a, mm-hmm. a working class background and um, I was always taught to, to kind of study the things that would get me a job. And, you know, design didn't seem like a career that, that I could even go into. It was so far removed from what my parents did and uh, what they were aware of and all of those kind of things. I think apprenticeships give people, you know, being paid and earning while you learn gives those people who can't afford to kind of take three years at university, particularly now, and you know, with tuition fees and all of those kind of things, it gives them kind of space to be able to learn to, or to change careers as well. Yeah. And I think that's, um, that's really powerful for, for kind of social mobility. But those programs are few and far between. And that's the challenge. So, you know, it's great to hear that Shopify have, have one. I did, I did one at IBM um, and was yeah. very lucky to do that back in the day, you know, but those programs are, are few and far between. And if they were kind of uh, more readily available, I think it would help yeah. people get into the industry and, and also help solve some of these problems we're talking about by giving people room to, room to learn, room to, fail room to, to kind of um, try new things and I think it would do our industry good as well you know yeah. because actually what we've got at the moment is there's a reason that all apps and websites look the same if we're all learning off this the, the, from the same things we're all learning from the same kind of people and you know we end up with an industry that looks very similar and that's I think we're losing something in that Well, that's a part of the hot take. We're going to hold on pause and we're going to dig into that maybe in person. Uh, Paul, Felix, Sadia, thank you so much for being part of this preview conversation with us. We will be continuing this conversation in person at DesignConf in June and we'll be adding to this topic. So we'll talk again about how you grow a junior bench. We'll also talk about who gets to call themselves a designer and what do we think about processes versus outcomes and is there even a difference between the two so some amazing topics for us to dig into under the umbrella of the state of design we're taking the twitter conversation we're making it better and more practical if there are a couple of key takeaways we can leave you with today think about your junior bench think about what you as an established designer and leader can maybe do to contribute to building one and if you're somebody who's an early careerist today go sign up on adp list because Felix is thinking deeply about this connection problem and he is able to help you with that. So to our audience, thank you very much. Get your tickets and uh, see you soon.